Good morning, Frank Hodge. Wish you were here with us. We'd just put you right on. I guess I could someday bring you on with us. Hey, Robert. Waiting for just a few more to get on before I start. Shows are seven. I don't see all the names, but all of you that are coming on, we appreciate you being here with us today. I hope you had a, a good week, a blessed week, and uh, a peaceful week. That's what we all need. Uh, today, I'm going to start uh, teaching on James, uh, the James of Alpheus, uh, A-L-P-H-A-E-U-S, <clears throat> and he represents order, and it's from the navel, which would be right in the center of our body, and that's what keeps divine order going on. There's several systems that I may talk about next week, I'm not sure, but uh, I was thinking this morning when I, I got up, I... I made a mistake and drank too much tea last night in the afternoon, so I went to bed at 11, and I laid there till about 3 o'clock, and uh, we're glad you people in South America like to watch us. Thanks for being here. Uh, so I couldn't go to sleep. I just laid there, and I kept trying, but so I kept hearing things and preaching to myself, and you know, sometimes we say the Lord woke us up, but it was actually iced tea that woke me up, <laughs> caffeine, but <clears throat> I was thinking about the word comforter and a messenger and uh, I've, I've mentioned this many times sometimes it's hard for people but when Jesus said that he had to go away because <clears throat> he didn't want to stay there and be their, their their source you know they wanted Jesus to be their source for healing and all kinds of stuff and that's not what he was there for he was there to teach them that they had the divine source within them that they could live out of which is father but he told him he was going to go away, but he told him not to be worried and not to be upset that he would send them. And of course, the King James made it like that he said he would send them the Holy Spirit. But we know that all people were born with Holy Spirit or Holy Breath. And so what he actually said is, I will send many more comforter teachers. The word another means many. And the word comforter means teachers and leaders and guiders of truth. Uh, so I was thinking about that while I was laying in bed this morning, and uh, I remember the very first time I saw the word comfort in the Bible, it really got my attention, and it was in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, and most people uh, see that as the famous uh, proof that there's going to be a rapture someday, talking about the dead and Christ shall rise first and, you know, and, and all that, but I've translated it, I want to read it to you. Uh, it says, for the voice of one shall come out of the mouths of pastor, messengers, or comforter teachers, if you would, with a clear sounding word that can be heard all the way to the outer court, which would be the ends of the earth, if you would, with a voice of mature comforter, messenger, teachers, those who have their awareness raised, their senses exercised by hearing the Father speak to their thoughts. You know, not all people can hear. I've told you guys, if you followed me very long, many times, uh, most a large part of my life, I really didn't hear Father's voice. Not that Father wasn't speaking to me, but Donna, my wife, would always tell me the Lord told her this and the Lord told her that, and I was always kind of silently jealous there because I really never heard. And the reason why I was busy doing other things, busy raising a family, busy doing the work of the church, I didn't spend a lot of time in meditation and just listening, nor did I even know how. And so. Once we've had our, we've exercised our hearing the Father speak to us, then we can understand some things. It goes on in verse 17, it says, When heard and believe what is said by the messengers, they have no, 
that they that have no knowledge of their Holy Spirit within and their rescuer from which hindered them, they shall stand up from a life of non-existence. They will wake up and they will live out of life and life more abundantly. So hearing is important and you have to have somebody that you're hearing that's teaching the truth of word. Verse 18, then it said, then we which have been awakened, and it says remain, which really means we, are, we have remained in contact with the divine mind, shall put on immortality together with them who live not in contact. That's what the phrase dead in Christ means, not in contact with the divine mind. And we together live in the cool, the spirit awareness, the cool of the day. And so shall we ever be with Father as a mother is with a child. But even more, we're one with Father God. And then it says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. And I, I, when, I, when I read that in the sense that it was a rapture or whatever, that really never brought comfort to me, knowing that, there, that I have loved ones that have not heard, loved ones that, quote, didn't get saved and they would never be with Father. And so that's when I really began to go on my journey of studying the word comforter and understand what that is. So I hope you have many comforter teachers in your life because we need that. So today, again, <clears throat> we're, we're teaching out the 12 faculties of the divine mind. And we're looking at James of Alphaeus, A-L-P-H-A-E-U-S, uh, he represents, if you would, order or divine order, and it's in the body, it's from the navel. He represents that's part of our body. James was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus, and he appeared, uh, his name appeared in three of the Synoptic Gospels uh, when they listed the apostles. He's awesome. I, uh, often identified as James the Less. You can see that in Mark 15, and commonly known by that name in church tradition. <clears throat> Not that he was a lesser a person, but I, it was just kind of like he was labeled the minor, he was labeled the little, he was, uh, again, labeled the lesser or the younger. So I think it's more important. It was just about him being young, if you would. <clears throat> so he's different from James, the son of Zebedee, which we've already talked about in this series. And in some interpretations also from James, his brother, uh, uh, the brother of Jesus. So he's different. I think there was four different Jameses in Scripture. So people kind of get confused when they see James. They try to uh, lump it in all to be just one person. And so he appears only four times in the New Testament, and each time it's a list of the 12 apostles and the New Testament are what I call the new outlook, uh, our, our, per our perception. <clears throat> There's not a lot about him at all. James, <clears throat> when he was preaching in Jerusalem, he was stoned to death. So that was his martyrism. And uh, the Jews did that and then he was buried beside the temple because they didn't like what he was preaching and a lot of people don't know these things and that's why it's important to understand uh when you're going to preach the truthful word and you're going to preach the, the the gospel it's not easy because religiosity wants you dead religiosity wants you to get out once you taken out of the way and same thing happened with jesus same thing happened with other disciples as we pointed out so the jews stoned him? Jew stone him to death so it's important to remember that James, the brother of Jesus, he also had the same death. He was stoned to death by the Jews too. And so Mark, the evangelist, is the earliest known source of the Bible to mention James, the son of Alphaeus, as one of the 12 apostles. And uh, again, it's only once, and this is in the list of the 12 apostles in Mark 3, 16 through 19. 
So at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he calls Peter and his brother Andrew, and he asks them to follow him. And the next verse, he tells the story of how James the Greater and his brother John the Apostle came to follow Jesus. Then after some healing by Jesus, he meets Levi, the son of Alphaeus, which we know that to be Matthew. We talked about that the last couple of weeks. And then Peter, Andrew, and James the Greater, and John the Apostle are all listed there in Mark. And as an apostle under the same name, James alone is listed as the son of Alphaeus. So we know him to be different than the other James. So the James, uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, represents divine order. Divine order. Again, his center is at the navel. Man can never, ever uh, experience dominion as Father gave us, or what I call mastership over the earth or over themselves, until they enter into a divine order, which brings forth true wisdom, true knowledge, true understanding, and it's, it becomes ex uh, internal and it affects the external from the divine order, which is the, the, the divine mind, the divine idea, and then the manifestation of that. So in Father's mind, there was an idea. And then what Father wants is that idea to come forth, and that's us. And Father has an idea, uh, or had an ideal, or idea of how we should be. And that's what he wants. What's Father want? And really, that's what we want. So the true spiritual man that we are, as the plural of Father, in which is the will that we saw in Matthew, and the faculty of order here, uh, they have uh, an inception process that takes place. And really, to me, it's the same thing where Paul said, don't be conformed to the world way of order anymore, but be transformed by the renewing mind, by leaning to the renewing mind. And so uh, Alphaeus represents in a measure our father or one staying in contact with father in us, who is our spiritual parent or our source. So when we, when we recognize this truth, uh, by means of the will, we give up our mortal ideas and we consecrate ourselves with this faculty to produce spiritual expression and to experience spiritual expression. Then spirit uh, uh, really succeeds to us. It's a, it, there's a success where we live and move and have our being out of Father, just like Father lives and moves and have his being out of us. So we are in truth spiritual and we function naturally only when we function which, in that which brings divine order. We try to function all kinds of other ways. There's all kinds of, there's no shortage for books out there that teach us how to live, how to get wealth, how to get well or whatever. But if it's not spiritual, then it does not bring divine order. And if it's not divine order, then I call it disorder. And we look around the world today and we see a lot of disorder. All the systems of the earth are in really bad disorder today. So the word order is used 61 times in scripture. It is the heavens and our planets, uh, the first law, if you would. Without order, the planets would, would not stay in their orbit. Without order, the systems, the sun, and everything that was created to sustain planet Earth would not be working. There has to be order there. So there can be no peace. There can be no harmony. There can be no right relationships, uh, relation of ideas without order. Everything needs order. The body, when we experience sickness and disease and other problems, there's something out of order. When my, my nerves hurt and my pinch and, and I have pain from that, that means my spine is out of order. 
And so I go to a chiropractor and he helps me bring it into alignment, if you would. So the same thing is true of us spiritually. We need order to be brought to us. We need uh, decent, uh, decently, it needs to be done decently. As scripture says, if you would, we could say when all things are thought and done decently and order, then we move into this divine establishment that Father provided for us. And that confirms 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. <clears throat> so when we recognize our true identity as spiritual, then we can expand that divine order. It can begin to function through us and bring forth only that which is our true nature and character, which would be Zoe life, Z-O-E, this God life. So the rearrangement of thoughts according to divine order by staying in contact with Father brings man's consciousness into that exact correspondence of the idea of Father and the harmony, or if you would, the heavens, or the cool of the day living that way. And Luke 3, 5, it says, And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough ways smooth. And that's what the truthful word will do for you. So the very cells of our body are adjusted one to the other through associated ideas. If I have wrong ideas and wrong thoughts and that thoughts that traduce and hinder me, then they literally hinder the cells of my body and they bring forth a lot of problems in our life. And so <clears throat> law and order, uh, spiritual law and order brings balance to us in every part of our being and in the cells of our body as much as it does in the actions, if you would, of the planetary system. There's an order that keeps the planetary systems functioning. So the brain of man is constantly at work, and this work results, uh, results in the production of thought forms, if you would. Spiritual work, spiritual food, spiritual feeding controls our thought forms. And a lot of people say, well, I don't know why I think that way, or I don't know why that thought came to me. Well, because we've had too much control of that which is without and not drawing from the thoughts from with. We don't listen as much as we should to the voice of Father speaking to our thoughts. So if you would, when a new spiritual idea is introduced into the brain, there can be a productive change take place in our brain that spreads through our entire body, if you would, unless it hits something that hinders. And usually what it hits is a false belief system or a false idea, or a mistaken identity that we have, and then there's a conflict. And that's why we must receive with meekness the engrafted living word of God, which is able to rescue our soul from all those false ideas. And so we want that divine order, because divine order brings in divine alignment to every part of our being. So the entire creation, then, depends on divine order. Would you agree with that? It would have to. So the order of creation is from the formless to the formed, or what we put in our, living out of our spiritual resources, it's the invisible slowing down to visibility. Our spirit, the invisible, you can't see spirit. Jesus said you can't see holy breath, but you know it's there. You, 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 you feel, you experience the, you have experiences with it. You can feel it, you can sense it. You just don't see it with your physical eyes. And so, literally, the, the, the formless becomes spirit slowed down to visibility. And this goes on perpetually. And it's never ending. Uh, it is never a beginning or an ending in the process. This ideal of Father continually pours itself into creation. And the only thing that can hinder it is man's wrong will. Like we said last week and a couple of weeks, living out of a strong will. 
and not wanting to change. I'm this way and this is where I'm going to stay. And that hinders it, hinders the process. But it is a creative process. And it's, it was projected out from the foundation. And what Father projected out, it will always be. So first is in Father's mind. Then there's that idea that's projected out. And then there's the materialization of that idea. So when we act in cooperation with the divine mind, we place ourselves under the same creative law, which produces an order, thus bringing Father's idea for us into manifestation. And that's my desire for you. Everything I teach as a comforter teacher, it's for you to receive exhortation, it's for you to receive understanding, wisdom and knowledge, all spiritual, so that you might move into that divine order that Father created you to be. And when you're there, there is no lack, there's no sense of lack whatsoever. I have people write me and contact me quite often wanting to know how to uh, live out a true supply. That's a big one. A lot of people struggle like most people have with the finances. We, we get in debt sometimes, we live above our means, or sometimes we just don't make enough money to support ourselves. And then when we begin to hear about uh, true supply, we want to know how to make it work now. We want it right now. What do I do? What's the magic trick to it? There is no magic trick. It's just continually feeding on the truthful word, and the truthful word will make you free, which is experience from that sense of lack. It will cause you to know that you don't lack anything. Because as long as you live with a need mindset, then you're always saying, I don't have something, and that's anti uh, what Father God provided for us, which is all things that pertain to life and godliness. So the understanding that orderly, true thinking, speaking, and living lead to realization. That's the truth. When we allow the very Spirit of God to bring our thoughts into divine order, then we will live and move and have our being out of Father, and we will live with no sense of lack whatsoever. This demonstration of substance is the form in which it can be used by the individual. And, and you know, one area that Father really helped me with in 1996 was the, the sense that I was going to lack because I lost a job. I wasn't going to make enough money. And I won't go through the whole story because all of you have heard it. But Father really revealed to you and spoke to me in my thoughts that if I, would just, uh, if I would just turn my life over to Father and basically stay in contact with Father, the divine mind, I would never lack for finances the rest of my life. And I never have. You know, as I say, if you looked at my checking account, you would say, well, y'all don't have enough the last two or three months, or if some big emergency came, you would spend all your savings. But the truth is, that's not my source. My source is Father. Our source is Father. And we know that now, so we don't worry about it. Because worrying about it and living with a sense of lack is which drives all that away from you. Because even though it's there, you have this sense, of, sense that you can lose it any time, any moment. But we can't lose what Father's provided for us. So divine order is the first law of the universe. Everything. There's orbits. There's, there's just the, the, the whole universe was created with a divine order. And, our, and, and where we, the galaxy and where we live, everything's there mainly to sustain planet Earth. And the sun is there to sustain life on planet Earth. So indeed, there could be no universe unless its various parts were kept in perfect order. So the facts of spirit are spiritual character uh, uh, and when we understand, understand them and their right relationship, then again, that produces an order in our life. Order, order, I can't say this real, I can't say it, but orderliness, <laughs> I'm having a hard time this morning, I'm tired, but orderliness is law. 
And really, true science confirms it. True science, when they study the human body, when they study uh, the, the uh, neutrons and the, the cells and all kinds of things, they see order. Everything is in its own order. So it's a spiritual thing, and it's eternal. And yet man has very seldom been aware of the spiritual orderness of God. So when the brain and the thoughts of man are focused on materiality and on its objects and its aims, the faculties that I'm sharing about here don't bring much permanence whatsoever because it's all about material things. And a lot of people, when you listen to them, when you hear their prayers, it's basically on material things. It's for better health. It's for better, uh, better income. It's we give Father thanks for our food, which we should be thankful for our food. But I'm more thankful for the understanding that he's given me. I'm more thankful for the fact that I, I have no sense of lack anymore. That's a blessing right there. I don't have to run to church services or to preachers and teachers and have them pray for me that I would get this or get that because I know that I have already and I can handle it. All things that pertain to spiritual life and physical life, it's mine right now. And Father ordered it, if you would, from the foundation of the world. And what Father orders, it's, it's there, it's real. So truth reveals to us that every faculty that we're, we've talked about and are going to talk about, which is faith, strength, judgment, love, power, imagination, understanding, will, as we talked about last week, order that we're talking about today and probably next week, and then we'll be looking at zeal and denial and appropriation. They must be used to the spiritual uh, end in order that the law of being might be fulfilled. They'll just bring it down to you individually. These things must be fulfilled. They must function in your life as your divine faculty for you to fulfill everything that Father wanted for you because you are a divine being that Father created from the beginning. Now, as I was looking at some names that meant certain things, there was a city at Naphtali, it's in Joshua 1935, and it's spelled C-H-I-N-N-E-R-E-T-H. -E -E I believe it's Chinnereth. Chinnereth means harp, uh, lyre, L-Y-R-E, or lyre, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, and harp-like. So the spiritual symbolism uh, meaning of Chinnereth is a seat of vitality or life activity, or my activity is life, or of nervous energy in one's individual consciousness. So we could say that Chinnereth is an active life consciousness giving thoughts to music, harmony, as well as life activity. It would therefore be an orderly, harmonious state of thought. And that's a picture of what our thoughts should be. Our thoughts should uh, gender harmon uh, harmony in every area of our life. Our thoughts should gender uh, activity, if you would. And we want our thoughts to be open. We want them to be unobstructed. We want them to, be, to have a fertile attitude to be able to hear the thoughts of Father God. Uh, Jesus used some parables when he talked about soil talked about several different types, stony soil and hard soil, and he was talking about the seed being planted into that. That, to me, would be my thoughts. Some people's thoughts, as we talked about last week, are very strong-willed thoughts, and they're not going to allow anything to come into them except for what they already believe, and it hinders their life. So in Job 37, 13, we find 
where it says, Teach us what we shall say of Father, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness, which is ignorance or lack of understanding. So literally, what this is saying is, I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to talk to Father. I don't know how to communicate with Father because I have understanding. But it said there, teach us. And that's what Father is doing, is he's teaching us how to commune with him with no sense of condemnation, no sense of guilt, and no sense of fear, but boldly enter into being the very throne room of God. And if I do that, which I have in my life, then I, 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 I commune with Father constantly. I, there's never anything that I would do or not do that can keep me from communing with my Father, because I know my Father and I are one. And so mankind really has not known how to converse with Father because we've seen Father as an angry God, right? We've seen Father mad at us because we pay more attention to our mark missings than we to, uh, pay attention to who we really are. I was reading several scripture uh, while studying for this, and over and over and over it talked about sins. And, you know, I heard somebody the other day say that God hates sins, and when you look at the word sins, it's not sins, it's sin. I mean, excuse me, sin. It said God hates sin. It actually is sins. Excuse me. I'm going backwards. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Give me just a minute. It says God hates sin. And yet most people think it means God hates sins. And the word sin means the mistaken identity. God dislikes the fact that we live with a mistaken identity. And so... Uh, it's important for us to understand that. And if a man speaks, uh, sometimes like Job said here, he said, if, if shall it be told him that I speak? And if a man speak, surely he will be swallowed up. In other words, he was afraid to speak to God because he thought God was on his throne up there and God was some great God that judges or doesn't judge. And if I speak and if I speak wrong, I'm in trouble. But I can say with a surety, we can speak with Father anytime we want to. There's no place you can go, nothing you can do that can keep you or hinder you from the love of God. But yet people are like Job. They're afraid to speak to God. They're, they don't know how to speak. So the last place in scripture the word order was used or order as an arrangement is found is in the epistles to the Hebrew and they all concern uh, Melchizedek. Paul was sharing that Jesus was a priest or a comforter messenger after the age of the people that lived in his 33 and a half years. He was a priest like Melchizedek. And some people say, well, Melchizedek was Jesus. I used to say that. I used to say that Melchizedek was, was a Christophany of Jesus. But the story of Melchizedek, uh, Melchizedek is found in Genesis 14, 18. And Abram, which later was changed to Abraham, had just returned from rescuing Lot from Chedorlaomer. Lot was sitting at, at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He would sit at the gate, or he was the tender of the gate, if you would. And uh, Chedorlaomer came in and uh, took all the goods from Sodom and Gomorrah, and they took people, and one of them was Lot. And so Abraham heard about that, or Abram, and he went out, and he uh, took his people and they defeated the army of Chedorlaomer and he brought Lot back and all the goods back. <clears throat> and when he returned, it says Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine to Abraham. 
Now, and again, it said he was a priest of the Most High God. Salem, S-A-L-E-M, means friendly and means peaceful. It was also an early name of Jerusalem, which I thought to be interesting. I'd never read that or heard that before. But Melchizedek in Hebrew means king of righteousness, or righteous rule, or upright counselor, if you would, righteous judgment, king of justice. To me, he was a comforter teacher, and he stepped out of the realm of spirit into the visibility. We have to remember that with Father, there is no time whatsoever. In spirit, there is no time. And so it could have been Jesus or it could have been another messenger. And to me, a king of something means they have all knowledge, all authority, all power. And so Melchizedek refers to one's conscious staying on contact with the divine mind, which is our Father. Or the superconsciousness, or the supernatural holy breath created in perfect likeness of our of our source Father. The Bible says that we are supernatural spirits, and so once our superconsciousness rules in our brain, then we are established and maintained in uprightness, uh, perfectly adjusted into living out of divine peace and perfection. So this Melchizedek showed up with a superconsciousness, a super understanding to impart to Abram. And of course, we know that Abram could not understand it perfectly yet, but he was there to give him some understanding. Where it said he blessed him, he blessed him with understanding of his future and what he was going to be used for. So Genesis 14.8 states that Melchizedek, again, was the king of Salem, and the apostle Paul made the same statement, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of the Most High. And again, Salem means whole. Salem means sound. Salem means complete, perfect, finished, summit, peace, concord, order, and friendship. So all those picture a consciousness of spiritual truth, wholeness, perfection, complete, perfect, and in divine order. And that's what Melchizedek came to share and to teach. So the general uh, opinion among the Jews I found in Josephus, the book of Josephus, is that Salem is the same thing as Jerusalem. And so what did they, what did Pilate say, and was it Herod, what did they say about who Jesus was to Jerusalem? He, they said that he was the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. And of course, the Jewish leaders didn't like that. When they put that sign on top of his cross, the, the Pharisees cried out and they wanted him to take it down. So I believe Melchizedek could have been Jesus appearing as spirit slowed down the visibility to Abraham or another messenger, whatever. But he was there to prepare him for his divine purpose to direct him towards divine order. And every one of us need a comforter teacher in our lives to bring us into divine order. If there's disorder in your life, if things don't seem to be functioning properly, or if you're consumed like many have been uh, in the disorder of the political system all last year and still today, then we need to be brought back into divine order, which provides peace for us. Verse 18 records that Melchizedek brought Abraham bread. And when you looked at, looked that up in the Hebrew, it just says food. Brought him food and wine. And I thought it was very interesting the word wine is E-F-F-E-R-V-E-S-C-E. E-F-F-E-R-V-E-S-C. -E -E -E. 
and it means as in telling a great story or encouragement because it says praise. So he brought him food and he told him a story to bring encouragement because praise means to tell the story, always does. So when one partakes of the wine or hears the great story, the intellectual thought has been quickened and illumined in spirit. The more I've heard of Father and the truth of Father, my intellect has been quickened more and more and more. There was a time when I met Gary Garner and I had never heard a teaching on penal substitution before. And so there was some spiritual truth in it and there was some that was not. But my intellect began to be quickened to want to know more, to dig into more spiritual things, more spiritual understanding. And it touched my very being. So when we partake of this wine, uh, that takes place and we are loomed in spiritual things. So one filled with new wine or one inspired by spirit divinely touched through the word of truth really begins to become a comforter teacher. And I've told many people lately, we need more comforter teachers in the earth. People need to be comforted. When I think about comfort, I think about my children. They got hurt or something and I go and I comfort them and I say, you're going to be okay. Uh, when maybe a child has been bullied in school and called names, like my grandson maybe, then I would take my grandson and say, baby, that's not who you are. This is who you are. That person is just uh, upset. You know, maybe they're just jealous of what you're doing or whatever. And I'm, what am I doing? I'm comforting them. And I'm saying, you're going to be okay. This is who you really are. And people in religiosity desperately need to be comforted with the truth because they've been told that they're just sinners They've been told all kinds of things about them that are not true. And so uh, it's possible for the entire intellect and man to be illumined and to re be raised spiritual, spiritually in all their consciousness if they're exposed to a comforter teacher that can explain things to them. So in this way, we, uh, the intellect becomes a channel then through which the Spirit of God can speak to our thoughts. And that's what I want. That's what we want. Our thoughts have been consumed with all kinds of stuff. The world's coming at us with all kinds of things to think about that really are not these things that the Apostle Paul said. The Paul said, Paul said, if you think on anything, think on these things. Think on the Logos or the living word. And so we want to bring our consciousness or our thoughts under the control of the, of the voice of Father speaking to us. So Melchizedek blessed Abraham by giving him instructions as to his future. As it said, he blessed him. You know, when you can bless me with money, you can bless me with food, but the greatest blessing that you can give me is wisdom and understanding. That's what uh, <clears throat> Solomon, when father came to him and said, ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he, it didn't take him just a second. He said, I need wisdom and understanding to lead the people. And so to me, that's the greatest blessing that you can ever have. So, so after he blesses him, in chapter 15 of Genesis, Abraham saw a vision of his future seed. And he was to be the father of many nations. He was fed spiritual food. That's what the, the bread represents. So when we partake of physical bread and wine in a church service, that's really not what Jesus intended us to do. If you want to do it, that's okay. But all it is is a physical, a, a physical picture of a spiritual truth. And we'll see later on where Jesus was trying to show people a spiritual truth. 
And so this bread, this food, reveals the great story of uh, revealed the great story of Abraham's future and his heritage and his generation. So bread and wine is food, it's spiritual food, and wine literally is to tell the story or the understanding. So it symbolizes many things depending on the teachers, if you would, bread and wine. Uh, are the students, what level of spiritual maturity are they in? In scripture, uh, there are several places we use to discern where people are spiritually. We used to do that. And uh, I used to, I taught it a lot. One, and I kind of messed up on them last week, but I wrote them down. Uh, the first one is on the out, uh, in the old outlook and disposition, which people call Testament, is Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And then we had outer court, holy place, most holy place. And then we found 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And then virgins, concubines, and queens. And then in the new outlook and disposition, little children, sons, and fathers. And so at that level of understanding, we would teach those things as saved, spirit-filled, and grown up. And that's what, that's what we thought it was. So before I met a valuable pastor to me, Gary Garner, who has since left his body, I saw all those things as historical things. That's how I saw them. And then when I met Brother Garner, uh, we began to get a little more understanding, and we thought it was a picture of spiritual growth as far as saved, spirit-filled, and grown up. And so as I continued to study what I was taught, I learned from Gary, I did not quit there. And I'm thankful that I didn't. Uh, it was at the time in 1996 that I received a divine appointment of Father uh, to translate scripture, if you would. I had done it a little bit prior to that. And to go further. And I heard in my thoughts the voice of one saying, I will give you a message to teach and explain and preach that many will reject, but you're to continue to do that without compromise. And so that's what helped me come up higher and higher and leave that place of just saved, spirit-filled, and grown up to the real understanding of what bread and wine really represents. So while studying scripture based on that false doctrine of penal substitution, we believe bread and wine represented crucified, died, buried, quickened, raised, and seated. And we talked about that a lot. Uh, we had conferences based on that. Uh, Brother Garner called it Six Steps to the Throne, but many other people did that before. And from what we thought to be physical pictures of spiritual truths, and we tried to explain those things that way, but it really ended up being penal substitution. I've written, I was thinking about it last night, I've written about 52 books uh, from anywhere from 48 to 100 chapters, each one based on penal substitution. And those were, in a sense, very holy to me. Uh, two of them, particularly, was the six steps of the throne that I learned from Brother Garner and then Paul's system of truth. But again, both were taught from a perception that was not really leading us to the higher spiritual truth of what the bread and wine represents. Gary Garner uh, gave me a lot of tapes and I studied a lot. And then I met Kay Fairchild through my relationship with Gary. And fortunately, Kay and I did not stop studying scripture. We didn't stay at that to the points that we begin to hear things through our, our, into our thoughts, if you would, that was basically this is the way we walk you in it. And so we walked out of no penal substitution into what we know as the eternal love of God today. All that being said, we have a much greater understanding of the subject of bread and wine. 
they both represent a greater spiritual understanding and awareness. So when I offer you bread and wine today, I'm offering you spiritual food that's gonna tell you the story of who you are and who Father is and who you have always been. And so it's a greater spiritual understanding. Uh, so in the natural, there are certain foods that we should eat. Now, some people will tell you one type of food, the other will tell you other types of foods, so I'm not gonna list those. But there are foods that we should eat on a daily basis. If, and that brings sustenance and it brings order to our physical being, including our, or, our organs. So the same thing would be true spiritually. So we find in John 6, 31 to 35, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people and one of them asked Jesus, which his name was Isosis, not Jesus, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread, because that's who they called their father, was Moses. It was not Moses that gave you the bread <clears throat> from heaven. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. And again, the word true is very important for people to understand the, the phrase bread and wine. The word true in the Greek uh, that Jesus said is the truth will make you free means to cause one to experience their freedom. So it means the not concealed word. The not concealed word will make you free. And people say, well, what do you mean by the concealed word? Well, we have a written word that conceals, if you would, the truth of who Father is and the truth of who we are. And it's, it, the way it's done is by uh, false perceptions, false understandings of Father, and then also mistranslations. And so Jesus knew that was true in the, the, the word that he had in his day the, because it was a false perception of the, of, of the writers, particularly Abraham and Moses, they wrote about God from their perception that they learned from false gods. So the truth will make you free, meaning to cause one to experience their freedom, which will bring them into divine order. So the Hebrew word for true is althesis, A-L-E-T-H-E-S, and again, it's the not concealing word. And then it comes from lanthano, not to lie hid or to call it to be hid, producing ignorance on any subject whatsoever. So for the bread of God, is that which comes down from heaven and gives the life the word. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread. And this not concealing word, not being hid word, causes great understanding. They thought they were going to get some kind of physical bread, but he said, I'm going to give you a word, a word, a truthful word, that's going to bring you great understanding, wisdom, and knowledge if you feed on it, and that's in your divine mind. And then Jesus said, he didn't say I am, he said I exist, the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. In other words, when you come to me and you let me teach you and you believe in what I teach, you will never hunger and thirst. And both of those are the same words in, in, the, in the Greek and also in the Hebrew. And so he told them if they would accompany him, if you would, if they would learn from him, if they would follow him, they would never exist as a beggar or a pauper mentality again. They would walk in fullness and they would walk in understanding. So these Jews, having been raised in a legalistic religious tradition, 
had very difficult time understanding Jesus, that he was trying to communicate with them in metaphors and symbolism, even though their own teaching and rituals had their origins in symbolic and metaphorical expressions of spiritual concepts. Same thing today. People look at the Bible and they take everything physically. They take the words to mean exactly what they mean. I had a guy write me yesterday about my translations and he disagreed with me. He believes the word is the all the scriptures inspired word of God when it doesn't say that. It says all scripture inspired by God. It does not say all scripture is. And so people don't understand. And that's why I'm doing this. Kay does it. I'm trying to teach what I call the spiritual code and symbolism of the living word. Not the written word, but the living word. And so in, in a very real sense, the actions and teaching methods Jesus uh, was aimed at breaking through their literalism uh, to primarily to the Jews. He was teaching them spiritual things. He was teaching them metaphorically to the sense that the inner significance of the words would change to them and bring life to them and not death. So, for example, one of the most powerful acts of Jesus was performed was the feeding of the bread and wine, uh, breaking the bread and multiplying the bread to the people uh, at the, uh, on the mountain, at the Sermon on the Mount, and also serving bread and wine to the disciples. And those were, those were symbolical things to explain a spiritual truth. But what happened? The church took it and made it some kind of sacrament, what's called the Eutychus. And they think that some of them think that the bread turns into Jesus' flesh and the blood turns into Jesus's, I mean, the uh, wine turns into Jesus's blood. And it goes on and on and on. And so we take communion over and over and over, never really understanding what the bread and wine really represents. And we've got to find out and believe what it represents or we will never come into that divine order that James represents. So to me, the bread is the spiritual awareness that Jesus sought to teach people. And the wine is the story of Father God, the story of man and who they were from eternity. And the Apostle Paul taught that. So comforter teachers, comforter explainers, hold forth spiritual food and the greatest story of all mankind. And if people would feed on that, that's what will bring order in their life. So without order, nothing exists as it should, including mankind. So the spiritual food that we are offered and daily dine on brings divine order into our lives and it brings divine order to the world around us and even to the systems of the world. So I would say the many ills of the race of man called Adam grew out of their belief that they could satisfy or nourish, nourish themselves from material food and from carnal understanding. So to feed the body in the senses is not enough. The spiritual man hungers, if you would, for that not concealed bread and hungers for the story of the living word of God. So in religiosity, there is a resistance to their followers of receiving this holy bread awareness. We see that all the time. If you're teaching any kind of truth, if you're translating the scripture to what it's supposed to be, there is a great resistance to that. And it's basically just out of ignorance. There was a man of old named Ahimelech, who was a high priest in the city called Nob, N-O-B. And he gave David holy bread when David was freeing from, uh, fleeing from Saul, the fleshly king. This act of giving David the truthful word, if you would, enraged Saul, and he immediately uh, wanted Elimelech, uh, 
I can't even say Ahimelech is how it's pronounced. Uh, he wanted him and all the priests there to be killed. And they were, all but one escaped. So the spiritual symbolism of this is about a high spiritual idea of intellect uh, that minister the religious thought where religiosity wants to kill it. Religiosity wants it stopped. And they don't realize that the, the true bread and wine is what's really going to grow people up and mature them. But they don't want to lose the control, if you would. So it's important for us to understand that our spiritual objective is to bring us to a state of activity in our consciousness where we no longer allow fear to possess us. The things that hinder us, the things that traduce us can be driven away by allowing a comforter teacher or allowing the very voice of Father to speak to us to bring us this true bread and wine that brings this order back to us. If we see this apparent weakness and inability in the flesh, then it becomes a stronghold in our life. It becomes a stronghold that hinders us from a divine mind, and it becomes an uh, overpowering, uh, overpowering power that keeps us down. But when we feed on the true bread and the true wine, which is this, the truth of who we are and the story of who we are, then it allows the divine mind to overpower everything that hinders us and brings us right back to divine order. So therefore, the scripture says, therefore, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power that brings perfect order to you. Put on the whole understanding of the Father that you may be able to stand against all that traduces and hinders you. And so that's really what will allow divine order to come to our awareness. And I believe it'll cause divine order to come to this entire being. It'll bring every system that's out of order into divine alignment. And so when people ask me to pray over people who are sick or whatever, one of my biggest parts of my prayer that I speak is, Father, I speak divine alignment that come forth in that person's whole being. If their circulatory system's not working, then I speak forth divine alignment. If their spine's not working right, I speak forth divine alignment. But more than anything, I speak for for the very spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge that Jesus sought to teach us to come into their awareness and that will produce that. And so I'll continue next week and I'm gonna talk more, I think, about the bread and the wine. There's a lot of scripture that talks about that and I wanna explain that a little bit more. So I know at the beginning of each one of these faculties, there's a lot of detail and sometimes it's difficult. So I encourage you to go back to the beginning if you can and, uh, listen a little more, take notes, and study along with me, and we'll find some tremendous truth that's really going to make us free to experience who we really are. So order is important. Amen? It keeps things going. So we love you guys. Uh, Melissa, trying to see what you said, talking about looking towards external source. Look where I was. All right, I'll look at that. So bless every one of you, and I appreciate you very much, and uh, feel free to contact me. I enjoy when people reach out to me. I can talk to you on Zoom or we can do FaceTime on uh, our phones, but um, we love just to answer questions the best we can and help you. So God bless you. If you came to this in the middle or at the end of this, I encourage you to go back to the beginning so you can hear the introduction. Also, Kay announced that she's not having teaching tonight. She's going to a celebration of life service for one of her relatives. So be praying over her and her family.